Hi guys, here we are today with um, Edward Wild, Head of Engineering at Form 3. Um, Edward, how are you? Very well, thank you, Lawrence, for having me on the show today. Oh, good, great. it's very good to see you and uh, looking forward to uh, diving into what you guys are doing at Form 3. Um, again, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, Form 3 are very much uh, one of the leading uh, fintech companies, uh, really focused on the future of payments. I, I think I kind of got that right there, uh, Edward. Absolutely. That's what we do. It's modern payment technology. That's right. So, so, so what, what, what is it that you guys are actually like building? Because obviously, like, you know, I get to speak to a lot of like head of engineer, uh, head of engineering people at a lot of different uh, fintech companies. Like, what's your overarching mission and how are you guys really like differentiating yourself in the market? Yeah, so the, the problem space that we're in is, is how to transfer money between bank accounts. So in order for that transfer to occur, both banks need to connect to some central infrastructure and they'll send that payment via that centralized mechanism. And in the UK, we have BACs, FPS and CHAPs that, that perform that function. And every bank that wants to, to be involved in transfers is essentially making that same connection. So they're all investing a lot of time and money into integrating their banking systems with this core infrastructure. So there's a lot of repetition and essentially our business model is to replace all of that duplicated effort with a with a with our platform form form 3's cloud based cloud native platform which as well as saving sort of time and money and banks having to maintain their own systems our system is more reliable and more scalable as it's been built using the latest generation of of cloud technology but what, why is it um, why is it uh, more scalable? Why is it more reliable um, in terms of like versus the competition? What, what were you guys like really doing differently in, the, in that respect? So we're taking advantage of the sort of sea change in technology that started in early sort of 2012 when Amazon first started launching cloud-based services. And with those, you get a very solid foundation to build modern applications on top of. So inherently they're more scalable because you have essentially an infinite amount of resource that you can, that you can use, but you don't have to pay for it up front. Right. So there's a lot of flexibility in your capacity for your workloads. And frankly, Amazon and Google and Microsoft are much better at running core compute infrastructure and networking than anyone else has ever been in the history of computing. So a bank is never going to be able to run a data center as well as uh, the cloud providers. Are, are so they building? I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. No, please, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. So you. they're very solid building blocks that we get started on. And, but is, is that, uh, are you saying that like Google, Microsoft, AWS, is, are they like the future of banking? I think they're the future of that base layer of infrastructure right so think... we're moving away from a world where everyone's getting involved in that so i think you know back in the day quite a few factories produced their own electricity and then there came a tipping point where that just wasn't practical you know people couldn't do that as well as you know some companies specializing in just producing electricity and then delivering it 
of a factory. So I think, yeah, that's the trend that started, like I say, uh, a decade ago. And, you know, banks themselves want to leverage that new infrastructure. And a quick way for them to do that would be to use a platform like ours, which is already built, it's already battle tested in production. They would have, they could then forego all of those expensive research and development costs and have an economic saving by adopting a, a SaaS based uh, service like ours. And so, so how easy is it for a company to integrate Form 3 into their already existing business? So we have a very simple um, integration point. We're using um, HTTP as the, as the sort of interface, which is obviously ubiquitous now. Um, so all a bank needs to do is essentially send their payment to us via an HTTP endpoint. We can do that either over the public internet or using private network links. And we have a single representation of a payment, regardless of the actual payment scheme that it goes into. So you can send us a payment and then later on we can decide based on like a routing engine, whether it should be a faster payment or a high value payment or a, you know, a bulk payment for backs. And we'd take the appropriate route, do that message conversion and send it onto the scheme. And then likewise, the reverse of that, if they want to receive a payment, um, they, they use webhooks and we'll call them back over a, over a webhook to let them know that a payment's arrived. So what are the challenges for coming like Form 3 in terms of the fact you know, that decentralized finance seems to be almost like the way to go? It seems like, a, but it also is becoming a bit of a buzzword, kind of like how AI became a buzzword like five years ago. And I got asked really interesting, I was, I was in a meeting yesterday, and I got asked a really interesting question. Um, they said to me, are you, are, is any of your platform, the round platform, going to be decentralized? And I actually said to them, I said, you know what? Yes, there's one aspect of it that I think will be decentralized, but I'm not convinced that it has to be. And I'm not going to do it just for the sake of it. Um, is there an aspect within like Form 3 where, you know, part of it will be decentralized? Are you looking to implement any DAOs or is it something that actually isn't really relevant for what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think at the moment we're not seeing customer demand for that type of payment mechanism. Yeah. So most of what we see is the, the direction into real-time payments using centralized schemes. And that's where the growth in the market is at the moment. So that's our main focus. I think our business model though would work with other, you know, payment mechanisms, be they decentralized or otherwise. You know, we can make that quite simple for customers. So in the future, if that is um, the direction or, you know, a, a growing market opportunity, we can certainly adopt that. But our customers could still just use that same one simple interface to send us payment instructions and receive them. And, and I mean, c c coming on to, you know, the, the growth that you guys have seen at Form 3, you're obviously expanding like very rapidly. Um, compared to a lot of the other fintechs, they probably look at you guys quite admirably. Um, you know, you've raised a hell of a lot of money. Um, so, like, you know, how, how's that? How's that being 
or I wouldn't say how's that being invested, but what, where's the focus? What, what's next then for you guys in terms of like growth and, and architecture and infrastructure? Yeah, that's, it's really interesting. At the moment, our big uh, investment is in the platform itself. So we version one of our platform was built on AWS and the resilience model is, is very sound and that's based on availability zones, which are collections of data centers in one geographical location. Um, but now we're seeing in the market a demand for even greater resilience. So the Bank of England recently launched uh, a white paper where it was advising banks to not be dependent on single cloud providers. Um, we were already moving in that direction and the next version of our platform is going to run on multiple cloud providers, three, all at the same time so we can survive even at the most catastrophic event of a cloud provider you know being wholly unavailable but that not impact the service that we offer to customers so that's where we're seeing a lot of investment internally at the moment and how, how i mean when when you see things like that from the bank of england is it a case you think that actually there's they're just being sensible is that just a sensible approach for companies like form three to take to have like multiple cloud providers yeah i think it's very sensible from you know from a couple of angles one of them being resilience we've seen it doesn't happen very often but there are on occasion problems with regions where a cloud provider is unavailable or there's a poor level of service like things slow down uh, for an hour or two so it's not unheard of so that's great to have that extra level of resilience. And I think strategically relying on one key vendor for something is not a great position to be in. So you've obviously got a lot more leverage when you can say to the vendor, look, you, you're not critical to us. You, you're a common, common layer and we, we can choose a number of different providers. So I think that's great when you're negotiating price and, and service. And, and and coming on to you, like, what, what, what's your story? What, what's your background? Like, what were you doing before you um, you, uh, you moved to like Form Three? So I started off actually coming out of school and um, getting a summer job working on IBM mainframes, and it makes me sound quite old, but this was actually in 1997, and uh, mainframes are still in use today. So I was programming on a mainframe and I saw that managers in this company were relying on out-of-date information. And I saw, yeah, an opportunity to develop some software to use a web browser to show them more real-time information. That's where I began my kind of entrepreneurial uh, start in, in my career. And so I, I formed a company at the age of 19 to, to build um, essentially kind of real-time inventory looking at stock stock retrieval system and that was very successful the managers loved it and we were able to grow the company um win more business and in similar similar types of uh, uh enterprises selling selling this this product um so i did that for about eight years um and i sold the company to um some of our early investors and i for some, for some reason, I was very passionately wanted to join Microsoft and I had it in my head that I had to do it. Sure. Uh, so I set my sights on, on working at Microsoft and 
I did that for a number of years. It was fantastic to work with what were such you talented. Uh, so, so what were you doing at Microsoft? At Microsoft, I worked um, in their consultancy division, and they had a large contract with the NHS to offer doctors and nurses um, sort of more advanced systems to retrieve information. So essentially, it was making search better for. So I think a lot of doctors and nurses use Google to look up uh, diagnosis and treatment plans. And that essentially was not great because they should be using canonical sources of information. So the challenge to the team was like, how can you make that process more kind of Google-like in a way and make it really easy for them? So that, that was a great fun project that we worked on for a couple of years. Um, yeah, and then I went into the world of finance after that, uh, working at a lot of different banks, uh, City, UBS and Barclays. And I met Steve, who's the uh, CT, CTO at Form 3, at my last job uh, at Gain Capital, which was a uh, you know, similar industry sector. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. And, and, and in between, <laughs> we're, um, um, well, I assume besides your friends, uh, most people won't know this, but uh, you like to dive um, off of shipwrecks on the on the in the UK. I do. Yes, my life is is sort of divided into BC and AC, uh, before children and after children. <laughs> and before the children came along, I was uh, an avid uh, scuba diver, and in the most unlikely of places, I found a wonderful group of uh, people that that dive regularly in central London, um, just, just uh, near Old Street Roundabout in the Ironmonger Road bars. There's a club called Clydive. Right. And they've been doing this for uh, about 50 years. They meet up every Thursday to train in the swimming pool. And, um, and they dive regularly uh, off of Plymouth pretty, pretty much every weekend. I was uh, down that way last week. I, I said to you, didn't I? Oh, sorry, I was, yeah. I was closer to Paul. But what an amazing part of the country. Beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And apparently there um, were quite a few shipwrecks. I looked it up. There were quite a few shipwrecks around there. Yeah, I think some estimates put the number of shipwrecks around the British Isles at something like 40,000. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Didn't and know I think worldwide, so there's something like 2 million shipwrecks. So uh, if, if you like uh, hunks of wood and metal, um, it, it's a good it's a good sport and you can swim you know you can either swim above the wreck and just sort of observe and look or if you're a bit more adventurous and have got more skills you can you can go inside wrecks have, have you got, do, you, do you go inside the wrecks i have done yeah i've done a few a few inside wrecks usually when it's quite roomy because uh the narrower it gets i think that the more risk and the more skill that you need because if you um if you touch the bottom and you stir up the silt in an enclosed space, it can, can quite often it just completely whites out and you can't see anything. Um, and it can take somewhere like 30 minutes for it to all settle back down again. And uh, at which time you might have run out of air. So yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> Honestly, like scuba diving, that, that is just like my idea of hell. I did actually, I, I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I did the um, a cage dive um in like simon's town um in south africa like with the great whites 
like that that's obviously that that's that's very different and that that in itself I mean, that was an amazing experience but that was scary enough i can't imagine actually yeah uh, diving into a ship definitely not my sort of thing so yes so mo moving moving away from the uh, the diving as i was saying it's definitely not something i will be doing anytime soon um and you're saying um life since having children how, how um i assume that, that that's probably changed uh, quite greatly you're definitely not spending so much time diving uh off of shipwrecks around the uk no unfortunately not no uh i've i've got more uh, sort of uh, passive hobbies uh, like uh, playing with the kids in the garden um i've taken up sailing again which i used to enjoy as a, as a kid so oh. i do that occasionally as well oh. yeah and 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 with with form three right so again you know, very well funded company, very disruptive technology. What is the what is the like the big ambition? What, what's the end goal for you guys? So we do want to be the predominant payments platform for you know interbanking, interbank payment transfer. And we're moving into the American market at the moment. And so our next milestone is to really break into that market and um, you know win some great customers there. We're already making some really good progress. It's, it's early days. We kind of started that at the beginning of this year, um, but we're already picking up a lot of, of great customer engagement. Uh, so hopefully, you know, in the coming months this year, we'll be announcing some really exciting partnerships in America. As we look to show that this isn't just a UK business, it's really a global business uh, that, that works well in other large markets. Are you, I mean, are you guys quite bullish on the UK? Are you hiring in the UK? Like, it feels like a lot of the companies that I speak with, especially those well-funded like yours, they're kind of quite cynical about where the UK is going. And they seem to be focusing a lot more on like the US market, uh, Middle Eastern markets and Asian markets. Okay, that's interesting. So I think we are very bullish about the UK market and we are we're still you know, uh, actively engaging in, in, you know, RFPs and, and trying to win new deals in the, in the UK market. And yeah, hopefully again, we'll be able to announce some, some great new partnerships in the UK. And we're hiring throughout Europe, including the UK, we're, and a big focus on hiring in, in Canada and, and Argentina as well. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And for, so, so for those that wanted to like, um, work for Form 3, Again, actually, I, I, you know, with regards to Rayon, right, a lot of the large part of the community, you've either got people that are looking to get in with a company like Form 3 or they're looking to build a company like Form 3. For those that are looking to work for a company like Form 3, what's the best way for them to stand out? For, you know, you're a head of engineering. What, is it, what are the qualities that you're really looking for when you're hiring uh, uh, or you bring someone into your team? Sure. Yeah. At the moment, we're hiring senior software engineers. Uh, so we made a decision when we founded the company that um, we we wanted to hire very senior engineers because the sort of the pace that we're going at, um, the complexity of some of the systems that we're working on is is quite fast and it's quite high. So we we didn't really have the time to to create the support network for for junior hires. We feel that might change later on this year as we become a larger company. Um, so it's a great opportunity if you're a, a senior software engineer. Uh, we're looking 
essentially our, our interview process is, you know, there's a chat with the uh, internal recruitment team, then um, we have a take-home test. Um, and that's kind of the first key part of the interview process. And we're looking for, you know, clean, simple, uncomplicated code that follows the instructions. Um, and, do, you know, you don't really need to show off your skills and do any extra work. We're looking to really complete the exercise in a small amount of time, um, but to focus on good, well-tested, well-crafted code. And the test is supposed to emulate what it would be like to write code at form three on a on an average day, if you like. How, how has it changed in the last couple of years in terms of like attracting um, senior developers? Because it, it feels, and again, this is one thing where Rayon is definitely a beneficiary of, but it feels like companies are really struggling themselves to stand out and actually like source and find the best talent. Is that something you guys, are you guys um, struggling in any, in any way with that? Or is it something whereby actually you're now at a stage where, you know, people are just coming to you, people just want to work for you? So I think we've got a, a number of things that work in our advantage is that we've got a modern platform, which yep. is uh, using, you know, exciting technology like Kubernetes, we program all of our microservices in Go. Um, we've got, you know, we're well-funded. We've got very exciting customers that are on our platform and we deliver like infrastructure that's critical to the, to the UK nation and hopefully will be in other countries. Um, so those kind of things I do think attract a lot of people. We're seeing a lot of candidates that would like to learn Go or no Go, but um, can't use it in their day-to-day -day job. Um, and so that's another attraction. Um, in terms of struggling to hire candidates, I think having an internal recruitment team just solely focus on that has been a big advantage for us. Um, are, you, are they finding a lot of success in Argentina? It's weird. Like, so, so we've recently just started really pushing South America. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't say so much for Argentina, but Brazil, we're having like huge success. And it feels like there is just like this like new like hub of opportunity there um, to just find some like really, really talented developers. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. So we, we've not looked at Brazil at the moment. So we have a list of countries that we can hire from, from a sort of legal and compliance point of view um, and GDPR compliance. Brazil isn't on that list at the moment, so we're focusing mainly on Canada and Argentina. Um, and we, we, it was, yeah, because traditionally we only hired in Europe. So I think it's taken us a bit of time to, you know, work into that market and start to see the candidates coming in through the, through the funnel. So it's starting to pick up a little bit now because we've just been laser focused on it for the last sort of three months. And, and what would be your advice to anyone that is like now out there, just, you know, the, uh, any young up and coming engineers, what, what should they be focusing their energy on? What technology should they be learning? Um, you know, yeah, what, what should they be doing to get ahead? So I think it's always important to find, you know, projects that, that you feel passionate about because that will help you stay kind of motivated to continue your learning. Um, if I was to, you know, be starting my career at the moment, I would definitely focus on 
sort of cloud cloud native infrastructure and find a project that that sort of lit that spark in me that kept me interested. So the CNCF is a is a foundation um, that's a, sort of an offshoot from the Linux Foundation that manages uh, all the cloud native technologies. So that's a good place to go to to sort of see what projects are out there. Um, so I'll definitely learn a language like Go because a lot of the cloud native software is written in Go. Uh, and then you could join one of these communities, um, you know, practice building Kubernetes clusters and, and then maybe practice writing little microservices. But engaging in open source projects is also quite a fun way to, you know, skill up and meet new people. And are there any companies out there that you you're particularly fond of that you're particularly interested in any like technologies that they're developing, whether they're in the fintech sector or not? There are, yeah, in the cloud native space, I think there's some really interesting companies. Like uh, one that comes to mind is Cilium, um, which is like a networking plugin for Kubernetes, and it adds a lot of really cool security features as um, it turns out that security is one of the hardest aspects of our job, um, especially in regulated payment space. Actually, the sort of the programming part and create, creating the services is, is relatively, well, I wouldn't say simple, but the security aspects is super hard. So that's something that I hadn't really thought about when we first started Form 3 and appreciated how difficult uh, security is. So yeah, Cilium is a great piece of technology. It embeds itself into the Linux kernel and um, yeah, it's got all these great security features. Edward, I was say we'll leave it there, but it's been great to have you. Um, so thank you very, very much for your time today. And it's been brilliant learning about Form 3. So thank you very, very much for your time. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, next time we can meet up and we can discuss a few more of, uh, a bit more about those shipwrecks as well. Definitely. Great. Thank you.